Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. Eighty years ago, Trevor Huddleston found himself on a ship bound for Cape Town, South Africa. He was an Anglican priest, Oxford trained, and he found himself in South Africa in a very divided world. And he set out to make a difference. When he got there, he found that if a white person and a black person were on the same path walking toward each other, it was expected that the black person would step aside and allow the white person to move forward. It was expected that the black person would tip their hat to the white person as they walked by. He was walking down the path one day, and there was a black woman with her child, her son, walking toward him. And before they could get off the path, he got off of the path and let them walk by. And as they walked by, he tipped his hat to them. The young boy was absolutely shocked. He had never seen anything like that before. He looked at his mother and said, why did he do that? And she said, he's a priest. He's a man of God. And right there and then, that little boy decided that that's what he wanted to be. And that little boy's name is Desmond Tutu. A simple act of respect can demonstrate love with far more effectiveness than we could ever possibly imagine. We talk about the grace. We talk about the mercy. We talk about the compassion of God. So freely given to us. How free are we with those same attributes toward others? We're working our way through the book of Romans. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them to the 13th chapter. Again, chapters 1 through 11, Paul gives us a theology. He, he goes into the nitty-gritty of some very specific issues that we might understand the righteousness that has been given to us through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins, and the, and the, the peace with God that results and the knowledge that there is nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we move into chapter 12 and and the rest of this chapter, and Paul then goes down to the real nitty-gritty of what it means for us to be followers of Jesus Christ. And especially those verses in the 12th chapter, verses 9 through 21, very Quick, succinct bullet points. This is how we should live our lives as Christians. Last week, we looked at the first part of the 13th chapter where Paul talks about the fact that we need to submit ourselves to governing authorities. We need to pay our taxes. They are there at at God's behest. That is our public life. And then he shifts 
and starts talking about our inner private life. And we pick up his letter in this 13th chapter with verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow person has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It sounds so simple when we read it, but so challenging to live it out. And yet, as Jesus spends his final hours with his disciples, that's exactly the commandment that he gives them. That they should love one another. As I have loved you, Jesus said, you should love one another. By your love, they will know you are my disciples. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and uh, this, uh, uh, the interviewee was, was talking about a debate that he moderated between two Christians on different sides of an issue and how rancorous it got to the point where he had to step in and, and redirect the conversation to keep it civil. And an atheist was watching and wrote in on the comment section, see how they love each other. And the challenges that we have in not just loving the world, but loving ourselves in our own community. As I've talked about my friend down the street, Father Michael Murphy at the Catholic Church, he said to me one day, our disunity is our greatest scandal. How can we love others if we can't love those within the family of God? And yet that's what we are called to do, to love, to will the good of another. It's both in action and in feeling. It is emotional. And I, and I think that Paul kind of gets to the heart of that as he's talking to the Corinthians who are doing all these great things. They've got all these spiritual gifts. But he says, if you're not exercising those gifts with love, then you're spinning your wheels. We are to love mercy. Wake up in the morning and think, oh man, i got to be merciful and compassionate and gracious today to people that I really don't even like. Can you imagine waking up and saying, I get to be merciful and compassionate to everyone that I meet. And sometimes you're going to meet people that are going to be challenging. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for he who loves others has fulfilled the law. Now, Paul's not saying here that we, that, we, that we should not go into debt, but he's saying that we should pay our debts. But then he goes on to say there is one debt that will never be discharged, and that is the debt of gratitude that we owe to God, to Jesus Christ our Lord, for the love that has been poured out upon us. And that debt of gratitude is to be repaid in love toward others. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
I've thought a lot about those words, love your neighbor as yourself, and the reality is I think that some people have trouble loving their neighbors because they don't love themselves. Do you know what the source of breakdown in any relationship is? I think it's selfishness. Ultimately, it's selfishness. And I think that selfishness is a mask that we wear to cover our own insecurities. It's hard to love something in someone else that you don't love within your own self. We talked about this at our, at our uh, uh, studies on Friday and, and, and on Saturday. What is, what, is, what is one of our greatest needs? One of our greatest needs is to be loved, to be accepted. And, and, and conversely, one of our greatest fears is to be rejected, to be marginalized, to be isolated, to be alone. There's a fabulous book out there called The Mystery of Marriage by Mike Mason. It's not, it's not a how-to book, but a why book. And he, un, he unpacks a, a theology of marriage that I find absolutely fascinating. In, in his book, he talks about the fact that each one of us have two centers. Uh, one down here, and this is the place where we love and, and where we are loved. You, you want to talk about the gut feeling. It's, it's right here. But the other center is up here, and we call it the ego. And the job of the ego is to protect this area here. And oftentimes, I have discovered that people with the strongest egos, if you can get through that shell, you find out that they are actually very insecure people. But what he goes on to say is that at least within the covenant of marriage, and I would say that within a covenant of community, the goal is transparency. We are not by nature transparent. We are opaque. There are things in my life I don't want you to see. And I'd imagine that there are things in your life that you don't want me to see. But see, in a healthy relationship within a healthy community, we need to reach for transparency. And what happens is that as we pull back on the ego, this place down here where we love begins to emerge. Now, if I'm looking at, a, at, a, at an item of value, let's see, do I have an item of value up here? For Just for the sake of argument, I'll talk about my pen. What a, okay, it's not very valuable, but... But I can talk about my pen and see if you're looking at my pen. And if you're not looking at it, I'll put it away because you really don't care about my pen. But I think it's a nifty pen. And I can look at it and talk about the mechanisms and all that fun, fun kind of stuff. Every now and then I'd look up to you to see if I, was, you know, if I was holding your attention. And if I wasn't, then I would change the conversation, which is what I'm going to do. Because you don't care about the pen. But when I begin to, when I begin to share who I am... With you, as I begin to be transparent, as I risk that, as I pull back and I open up, I don't need to look down because I know what's there. I, I know all the ugly stuff and the crud that, that is there. My, my most vul, vulnerable moments, I'm aware of them. So I don't need to look down as I start talking about myself. What I'm doing is I'm locked on you because what I'm, what I'm waiting for is to see what your reaction is. And if I see in your reaction compassion, grace, forgiveness, mercy, 
then that gives me the courage to pull back even, even further so that you can see more deeply into my soul. But if I see any hint of, of, of rejection, of, of misunderstanding, of condemnation, or even anger, man, I close up faster than a book. And the ego comes back out. Because I don't know that I can trust you with who I am. Because I'm afraid that if I really show you who I am, you'll reject me. You won't love me. And I want to be loved. I want to be accepted. We battle that. I believe each and every one of us battles that. How much do we, how much do we share with others? And, 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 and I'm not saying that, 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 that we need to be open books to the world, but we need to have people in our lives. One, two, maybe three people in our lives with whom we can be transparent, with whom we can trust I love the little seven-year-old who was asked to define love. And she said, love is knowing that your name is safe in someone else's mouth. To know that your name is safe in someone else's mouth is a huge gift. So we wrestle with, how do I love when I'm fearful that I'm unlovable? Well, you know what? God sees you more clearly than you'll ever see yourself. And he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God knows you better than you know yourself. And he loves you. He loves you right where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you where you are. And that's why the Holy Spirit comes in. And through the Holy Spirit and, and, our, and, the, and the exercises we do, the spiritual exercises, the soul exercises, as we engage in God's word, we see a transformation occurring. And the sure sign that we are being transformed is the ability to love others. And I know, I know, I know that there are people uh, out there who say, yeah, yeah, but pastor, you really don't understand the, the dangers uh, of, of what it is that, 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 that you're asking me to do. And maybe, maybe not. Certainly there are barriers to freely loving as Jesus loves. But there are no barriers that he has not broken. One of, the, one of the ones that I hear most often from people, even in the simple things, well, I'm afraid that if I do that, I, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be uncomfortable. So I'm going to hold back. I'm going to hold back getting involved. I'm going to hold back uh, volunteering. I'm going to hold back from engaging uh, with this person because I might find myself outside my comfort zone. Guess what? Life is outside a comfort zone. I heard somebody say the other day, it's not the dying that bothers me as I look toward the end of my life. It's the fear of not living. And you so isolate yourself in this, in this bubble of comfort. My question is, are you really living? I can't 
I can't remember a conversation that I have ever had with someone who stepped outside of their comfort zone, whether it's even volunteering within a church community or with a, with a rescue mission or some kind of a project where they didn't come back to me and say, Pastor, it was a little uncomfortable at first, but I have to tell you, I received so much more than I gave. Sometimes love is initially going to make you uncomfortable. Don't let that be a barrier to loving others. I can't imagine that it was very comfortable for Jesus to be on the cross. Other people would say, well, you know what? Gosh, pastor, you start talking about loving people and and going out of your way and be kind for them, and and the next thing you know, they're going to exploit you or they're going to betray you. Yeah, that is a danger, and it does sometimes happen. Happened to Jesus. I think of Judas. What do we know about Judas? Well, yeah, of course, he's the one that betrayed Jesus. So, okay, we get that out. But, but, but prior to that, John, in his gospel, tells us that Judas was the keeper of the purse. And he embezzled. He exploited his relationship with Jesus for his own personal gain. And do you think for a minute that Jesus didn't know? He did. Love not only lets itself be uncomfortable at times, at times it lets itself be exploited. Well, I'm, a, I'm afraid that if I venture to love, it's going to be misunderstood. Count on it. Count on it. Jesus was, un- Jesus was misunderstood by all the religious leaders of the day. Love is, at times, misunderstood. Love is, at times, exploited. Love is, at times, rejected and not returned. But let that not be an excuse for us not to love. God is at work in the world and in the community. And I think one of my favorite parables comes from the gospel according to Matthew. It's called the parable of the weeds. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your fields? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. And the servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling weeds, you may root up wheat with them. Let them both grow together until harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The weeds and the wheat grow together. And our job, our responsibility is not to ferret out the wheat from the weeds so that we can rip out the weeds. And ha-ha! Ah, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. You trust me on that one. 
No, you let them grow side by side. In the end, all justice will be served. All justice will be served. In the meantime, let's learn to love both the wheat and the weeds. Who knows? But that a miracle might occur and a weed be transformed into a wheat. Oh, God is at work. God has a plan, even in the midst of all of this COVID, to show his love to the world. And we, we are his arms, his, his hands, his feet, his ears, his mouth, to will the good of others, to love as we have been loved. Here's a news flash. As you love, you will be uncomfortable. You will, from time to time, be exploited. You will be misunderstood. And it will not always be returned. Love is not always returned. But let none of those barriers keep us from being the people that God has called us to be and is transforming us to be, even through simple gestures of kindness to recognize the inherent dignity and worth of an individual, an image bearer, regardless of anything else. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. You probably never even heard of uh, Trevor uh, Huddleston before this morning. He changed the world, one life at a time. And that's all any of us are called to do. I think we fear doing great things for the Lord, for the cost that it may incur. But let me challenge you today, not to think about doing great things for the Lord, but for doing small things for the Lord. Through an act of kindness, a thoughtful gesture, an encouraging word, a message of hope. And then put yourself out there. Be willing to be hurt. Be willing to be exploited. Be willing to have your love not returned. Be willing to be misunderstood. Be willing to be a fool for Christ. For you never know the lives that you will touch and the ways that you can change the world through a simple act of love. Let God worry about everything else. Be the disciples that he has called us to be as we love one another and love those created in God's image. I think that's kingdom living at its best. <laughs>